It's a trap, you walked right into the hate All over a new king that's face is just replaced It's all the same, used to be ruled by force And no matter who it is, they'll still carry on the torch Just a lie, cheat, steal, half of what you make Taxation is theft, it's time to vacate the state Newsflash, all your cash is an you From killers who really do steal from you Inflation is a weapon used by every nation Who says that the same in the world through lies Have they disguised and pass off as bravery? Well, I got news, debt is slavery It don't matter who's matter, a new master don't matter When they both want the same, the state don't play no games They got you trying to survive and put you on sides And ready to kill each other, that's conquering divide It's all for show, all for hyper Welcome back to NPR. I'm your host, Bones, followed by my other host, Tubbs. Boy. Hello, and welcome back to the Bones and Tubbs show. I'm so glad I remembered that. I was driving earlier, and that tickled my fancy. <laughs> nice, calm, Tick- dulcet tones. Yeah, tickled my pickle, if you will. Yeah, I, I can never get into that kind of stuff on the radio. It, now, I, And I listen to podcasts, too, right? Yeah. But, like, uh, just the, you know. Hey, I'm a beta male. And this is funded by viewers like you. I don't... At patreon.com forward slash bones and tubs. I don't want to affect your mood in any way possible, whether negative or positive. We're here to take public funding and tell you exactly what the government wants you to hear. Not really us, but them, you know? Yeah. But we're back. Yeah. With another episode of our glorious show. Another seven days down in life. Mm-hmm. Seven days closer to dying in a screaming car fire. <laughs> and then uh, the screams turn into baby cries as we're reborn and thrown back into simulation because that fucking moon matrix tricked us again. You fell for the the, death, the Gnostic death trap is what you did. Yeah, you tricked yourself. See, here's where, here's where I'm going to be like, you know, they're going to try and get me with my parents. That's what I think. My parents or loved ones. But really, it's just going to be big titty moth girlfriend or what is it? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Big titty moth girlfriend, yeah. Okay, I thought I said it sounded funny when I said it. That'll get me. They're going to hit you with the most tempting thing possible. Yeah. That's what it is. She's even got a moth head. It's going to be like, uh, you ever seen the movie The Last Temptation of Christ? No. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so It's cool. I mean, we're talking about biblical shit, so the it works whole, out. The whole premise of the movie, basically, it's, a, it's an amazing movie. Uh, skip ahead like two minutes if you don't want to hear the premise of this movie. Okay. Spoiler alert. You can skip ahead, too. So, basically, Christ is dying on the cross, right? Mm-hmm. And he hears a voice. I, I, I'm paraphrasing this. This is what I remember from the movie. It's been a while. And he says something along the lines of, like, he hears someone say, it doesn't have to be this way, right? So, like, he's basically, uh, they take him down off the cross, and he's still alive. Right. And he gets with Mary Magdalene. Oh. And they have a family. And he lives to an old age. Right. He gets to enjoy all the things in life that a normal person gets to have. Right. Biblical myth. Rosicrucian truth. Like, uh, and even like towards the end, like he has to see, he lives to see uh, Jerusalem burn during the, uh, uh, when the Romans burned it. Right. Yeah. And... Like, towards the end, Judas comes to him and is basically like, you betrayed me. Yeah. because Well, here's what it is. The logic being, Jesus wanted him to turn him in so that his destiny could be fulfilled, right? Mm-hmm. But he didn't fulfill his destiny. 
I so see. he just made Judas look like an asshole. Well, he was an asshole. But if he was only doing what Jesus asked him to do... Yeah, but he did do what Jesus... I mean, he didn't ask him. He just that, said, well, one of you is going to betray me. This is under the premise... The motherfucker a, hung himself after he did it because he is, felt bad. This is under the presumption that Jesus asked him to do this. Yeah. Right? So he could fulfill his destiny as a martyr. And basically, Jesus is like, you betrayed me, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the movie, it like flips back. He's just still on the cross again. And he dies. Yeah. And that's the whole premise of the movie. It's the liter- it's, that's why it's called The Last Temptation of Christ. Because, you know, he was tempted in the desert and all that. It was the devil's last chance to try to, like... Get in his head. Get in his head, yeah. Before he before he left. Hmm. It's a great movie. How old's that movie? Oh, it's from the early 90s. It has Willem Dafoe as Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> okay, then. And I'm pretty sure... Yeah, it's got, a, like, a good cast. Like, because, like, Harvey Keitel plays Judas... And fucking David Bowie, I'm pretty sure, is Pontius Pilate. They should have made, made David Bowie Jesus. Change my mind. You, you're not going to change my mind. You know how I feel about David Bowie. Yeah, man crush. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, he also, David Bowie also played one of my favorite dudes ever, too. Dance, baby, dance. That's Nikola Tesla. Yeah. I was going to say Jared the Goblin, Jared the Goblin King, but no, Nikola Tesla. Right. I think I just made, sorry, I just made a fire... Instagram post. Mm-hmm. Two seconds. Mm-hmm. It's an old-timey photograph of a Coca-Cola plant touting a sign of the Ku Klux Klan on the side. Huh. Be less white. Anyway, sorry. No, you're good. This things grab me sometimes, as you all know. How the times are changing. <sighs> yep. It's almost like they think that maybe, maybe no one still has that picture of that giant Ku Klux Klan sign we had on the side of our building. Oh, people's memories are short. <clears throat> yeah. Cameras never forget, though. No. Man. So what are we doing today? We're going to do a little story. I'm going to give a little cliff notes on this book, both uh, for the reason of trying to get you to get it mm-hmm. and uh, let everybody else know about it. Uh, I've had this book for like six months, and it just sat in my backpack. And the other day in the Factory of Sadness, I had the choice of hanging myself on a low-hanging pipe or reading a book in my bag. So I tied my sheet, and then I was like, well, I'll at least read this book first. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, read it all the way through. It's about 110 pages. It's small enough to fit in your pocket. It's, uh, as you would say, OG Mandingo. Yeah, the first time I saw it, <laughs> it was sitting on the desk, and I was like, I was reading it upside down, and it looked like it said OG Ma- by OG Mandingo. And I was like, what the fuck <laughs> what the is fuck that? What are you reading? <laughs> it's Og Mandino, uh, best-selling author of Return of the Ragpiper. It's called The Greatest Salesman in the World. You can change your life with the priceless wisdom of ten ancient scrolls handed down for thousands of years. And what he does in this book is he takes a fictional weaving of his own making and weaves it in with the Bible in two Mm -hmm. different stories. Mm -hmm. Well, not two stories, but two different parts of the Bible. And in the middle of the book, I would say probably the the lion's share of the book are these ten scrolls. Mm -hmm. You start out with, uh, who do we have here? Characters. He did it in a beautiful way. I've never seen any type of... This is like a more hardcore version of The Alchemist. Okay. Is what I thought when I read this. So it starts out with Hafid, and it's an old guy who's living in this mansion, and he's got a vast trade empire in the Middle East. It's talking about all the opulent things that he has, and what a courteous, charitable fellow he is. He gives away half of his wealth hmm. every time he makes money to the poor. <clears throat> and he's walking through his, his giant estate. He has a trusted advisor been with him for years 
And one day he's like, you know what? He calls him to an audience. Dude comes up and he's like, well, it's cracking. He's like, I want to sell all my shit. He wants to give, get rid of all of his possessions and all the warehouses. Turn it all into gold. And then he wants to apportion out all of the gold to each of his managers at all these warehouses and all these caravans. Give them their own little purse. Mm-hmm. And then send them on their way to be their own their own tradesmen. Mm-hmm. Then he offers his personal assistant a very hefty amount of gold. And he gives him dominion over his whole estate. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just want enough money to sit here and retire in this villa. Or this I might not might be might be might might not be the right word, but in his little uh, his little area until he's dead, mm-hmm. and he's he basically just sits in this covered garden all the time, uh, where his wife his dead wife's body lays mm. in a uh, mausoleum of sorts, mm-hmm. and he's waiting for something you don't really know what, and then one day he calls his advisor and he's like, hey, follow me. He takes him up to this room that everybody gossiped about. Like, what's he got in there? It ranged from like room filled with the most precious sapphires to just a room filled with gold to a room because he's the only one that ever went in there. Yeah. To like a place where he had a harem. Mm-hmm. And he laughs off all these rumors and takes him in there and it's just this giant room with a tiny little treasure chest in it, a little wooden box. He opens it up <coughs> and he shows his, uh, he doesn't let him read the contents, but he just shows his assistant that it's, uh, filled with these 10 scrolls Mm -hmm. and he's like these were gifted to me uh at a young age by a merchant who was a great salesman you know he's now known as the greatest salesman of all time yeah he's like i can't show anyone these contents as i was sworn solemnly to do but what i want to do is once everything is done with my estate we will wait and then god will show me a sign of who i'm supposed to give these to so the first guy he got him from, like the first the guy he got him from, the stipulations were that guy couldn't give it to anybody until he saw a sign. Mm-hmm. Same with him. But the third person, the person he gives him to, can show him to whoever he wants, share him with the world. So <clears throat> he sends them away and after they relive their friendship and their their business dealings and stuff for their entire life, and kind of a heart to heart moment. Yeah. And then this cat walks out on this uh, scaffolding outside, and he just kind of looks into the desert and starts reflecting on his childhood. And his parents were both killed, or they died of something, and this merchant adopts him as his, as his son. Instead of letting him go the way of an actual rich, cocksucking son, he kind of gives him a hard life. He gives him a job as a, the animal keeper for the entire caravan. So his job is to clean the stable. He's a stable boy. Mm-hmm. And then one day, the stable boy reaches a certain age, and he meets a girl he likes. Her father's very wealthy and very stingy, so he thinks... The only way I'm going to get this girl is if I amass a large amount of wealth. I only make coppers per day doing this. I need to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And he had the fire in him to be a great salesman. So he comes up to this cat and he's like, look, I appreciate everything you've done for me. But I want to take it to the next level. So he starts drilling him with these questions. He's like, why do you want this? Do you think you have what it takes to be a salesman? And all this. And, and in my mind, salesman is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, metaphor might not be the right word either, but you're selling things all the time, whether or not you're actually in the field of sales. You're selling your self-image. You're selling ideas that you value to other people. You're selling all the time. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> so, after a long debate, he accepts his offer, tells him, tomorrow I will give you one of my robes. And they were one of the most sought-after robes in all of 
his, you know, trade empire. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Basically, he put a silver on this kid's account, and he was like, silver is what you owe me, uh, but you can charge whatever you want. Anything above a silver is profit. I'm going to send you to Bethlehem. You go there tomorrow. Don't come back till you sell it. And then the book fast forwards four days later, and this kid's eating a meager meal inside of an inn. It's like a shitty piece of bread, and he's mm-hmm. he's beating himself up like, fuck. I've been everywhere. I've been all, all through the markets. I've been door to door. I can't sell this. I'm not a good salesman. You know, what do I lack that these other salesmen have that allows them to to do this? I'm a failure. I'm a fuck up. <clears throat> so he left this robe <clears throat> uh, on his donkey and he put the donkey in the cave behind the inn. So he's leaving after, you know, going through it all the way feeling like an absolute failure he's not going to get the girl he's going to have to go back and be a stable boy he's not going to amount to shit mm-hmm. he's walking back to the cave and he notices a light burning in the cave and he's like fuck there's bandits everywhere they're probably going to steal my fucking rope mm-hmm. so he runs back up ready to fought yeah he goes in the cave and he sees a man and a woman and a baby in a manger and both the parents had taken off their robes tattered as they were and covered the baby with them so they see him, they're like, eh, what the fuck? He sees them like, oh, fuck. So he goes over without even thinking about it, gets on his donkey, takes out the robe, gives them their robes back, and then wraps the baby in the uh, the robe he was given to sell. Mm. And then he leaves. You know, no payment asked, nothing. Yeah. And he's walking back, even more beat up than he was when he was going back to the cave. Like, thinking about ways he could lie. Maybe he could say, oh, I got stolen, whatever. Well, as he's leaving to go back to the caravan just outside of Bethlehem, this brightest star in the sky rises, brighter than any star that anyone's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it lights the, the sky up like it's nighttime. So the caravan owner who sent him out is looking, and he sees him walking under the star. And he's like, tell me what you did. I see you come back with no robe. You've created a sign in the sky. You must have done something miraculous. This is the sign I've been waiting for my whole life. And he's like, you know, telling him, no, I didn't sell it. I couldn't sell it. I'm a shitty salesman. I'm a failure. I gave it to a baby that was cold in a cave. And he's like, we'll talk when we get back to Damascus. Mm -hmm. You didn't fail. Sleep well. So he's going to take over his animal tending duties again until they get back. He comes back to Damascus. Old boy's dying because he's fulfilled his oath. He found the one. Yeah. And now his life is over. So he calls him into his room, tells him to pull out the chest under his bed. Pulls it out and starts explaining to him. Here's the first scroll. Well, first there's a letter. He said, don't open this letter until you get out of town. Um, take one of my camels. Take this. These are yours now. You have to promise me you will not show these to anyone until you find someone who shows you a sign worthy of taking these. Mm-hmm. You have to read the first scroll three times a day for 30 days. Once silently upon waking. Once silently after your midday meal. And once aloud before you lie down at night. Mm-hmm. After 30 days, you're allowed to go to the next scroll so on and so forth, each scroll 30 days. By the time you've done this, you'll have learned all the secrets required to make you an immense amount of wealth beyond your farthest imaginings. Mm-hmm. And then he dies. <laughs> so he does, and then he becomes the you know the greatest salesman in the world. Yeah. So fast forward back to him not imagining his childhood. He's an old man waiting with his trusty assistant. And then... Out of the desert comes this ragamuffin, beat-up old dude. Legs all messed up, hobbling, asking for an audience with the master of the uh, property. 
I should have said trigger warning. I used the word master. Mm. But it's uh, Saul from the Bible. Paul. Ah, okay. Said that he was, tells the whole story of Paul, how he was a persecutor of Christians, how he was uh, walking into a city, was blinded, basically talked to God and was like, quit being a fuck up. This is your job. You killed me. (laughs) And then he goes on and preaches and stuff. So then they send him out in the wilderness to seek the greatest salesman, the, the richest man in the world or whatever. And he's the one that is then gifted because he comes to him with a token. And the token that God told him to give him was the red robe. Oh. So the old man's like looking at it. He memorized every weave and every pattern of that robe. And he saw that it still had the markings on the neck. He said, tell me about this Jesus. And he's like, he came in this world poor. He left this world poor. This was his only possession. It took me some time after searching Jerusalem to find this robe. So he tells him the whole life of Jesus and the death. Did and they make a movie of this? I don't know. There's a movie called The Robe that I'm pretty sure this is what this is about. <laughs> Might be. How old is that book? 1968, I believe. Hmm. Let me see. I want to say the first printing was in 1968. Yep. January 68. It could be wrong. They could be unrelated, but it sounds familiar. And this book is credited with making the most most millionaires of its kind. And I'm going to read the first scroll, and that's it. Okay. Uh, and I'll, you guys will leave the cliff notes. Hopefully that satiated your need to want to buy this book. But uh, whenever you're ready, I'll read the scroll marked number one. Okay. Today I begin my new life. Today I shed my old skin, which hath too long suffered the bruises of failure and the wounds of mediocrity. Today I am born anew, and my birthplace is the vineyard, where there is fruit for all. Today I will pluck the grapes of wisdom from the tallest fullest vines in the vineyard for these were planted by the wisest of my profession who have come before me generation upon generation today i will savor the taste of the grapes from these vines and verily i will swallow the seed of success buried in each and a new life will sprout within me the career i have chosen is laden with opportunity yet it is fraught with heartbreak and despair and the bodies of those who have failed where they piled one atop another would cast a shadow down upon all the pyramids of the earth yet i will not fail as the others, for in my hands I now hold the charts which will guide me through the perilous waters to shores which only yesterday seemed but a dream. Failure no longer will be my payment for struggle. Just as nature made no provision in my body to tolerate pain, neither has it made any provisions in my life to suffer failure. Failure, like pain, is alien to my life. In the past I accepted it as I accept pain. Now I reject it, and I am prepared for wisdom and principles which will guide me out of the shadows into the sunlight of wealth, position, and happiness far beyond my most extravagant dreams, until even the golden apples in the garden of Hesperides will seem no more than my just reward. Time teaches all things to him who lives forever, but I have not the luxury of eternity. Yet within my allotted time I must practice the art of patience, for nature acts never in haste. To create the olive, king of all trees, a hundred years is required. An onion plant is old in nine weeks. I have lived as an onion plant. It has not pleased me. Now I wouldst become the greatest of all the olive trees. In truth, the greatest of salesmen. And how will this be accomplished? For I have neither the knowledge nor the experience to achieve greatness. And already I have stumbled in ignorance and fallen into pools of self-pity. The answer is simple. I will commence my journey unencumbered with either the weight of unnecessary knowledge or the handicap of meaningless experience. Nature has already supplied me with knowledge 
an instinct far greater than any beast in the forest, and the value of experience is overrated, usually by old men who nod wisely but speak stupidly. In truth, experience teaches thoroughly, yet her course of instruction devours men's years, so the value of her lessons diminishes with time, necessary to acquire her special wisdom. The end finds it wasted on dead men. Furthermore, experience is comparable to fashion. An action that proves successful today will be unworkable and impractical tomorrow. Only principles endure, and these I now possess. For the laws that will lead me to greatness are contained within the words of these scrolls. What they teach me is more to prevent failure than to gain success. For what is success other than a state of mind? Which two among a thousand wise men would define success with the same words? Yet failure is always described but one way. Failure is man's inability to reach his goals in life, whatever they may be. In truth, the only difference between those who have failed and those who have succeeded lies in the difference of their habits. Good habits are key to all success. Bad habits are the unlocked door to failure. Thus the first law I will obey, which precedeth all others, I will perform good habits and become their slave. As a child, I was a slave to impulses. Now I am a slave to my habits, as are all grown men. I have surrendered my free will to the years' accumulated habits and past deeds of my life. I have already marked out a path which threatens to imprison my future. My actions are ruled by appetite, passion, prejudice, greed, love, fear, environment, and habit. <clears throat> and the worst of these tyrants is habit. Therefore, if I must be a slave to habit, let me be a slave to good habits. My bad habits must be destroyed and new furrows prepared for good seed. I will form good habits and become their slave. And how will I accomplish this difficult feat? Through these scrolls it will be done. For each scroll contains a principle which will drive a bad habit from my life and replace it with one which will bring, closer, bring me closer to success. <clears throat> for it is another of nature's laws that only a habit can subdue another habit. So in order for these written words to perform their chosen task, I must discipline myself with the first of my new habits, which is as follows. I will read the words in silence when I arise. Then I will read the words in silence after I have partaken of my midday meal. Last, I will read the words again just before I retire at day's end. And most important, on this occasion, I will read the, the words aloud. On the next day, I will repeat this procedure and will continue in like manner for 30 days. Then I will turn to the next scroll and repeat the procedure for another 30 days. <clears throat> I will continue in this manner until I have lived with each scroll for 30 days and my reading has become habit. And what will be accomplished with this habit? Herein lies the hidden secret of all men's accomplishments. As I repeat the words daily, they will soon become a part of my active mind, but more important, they will also seep into my other mind, that mysterious source which never sleeps, which creates my dreams and often makes me act in ways I do not comprehend. As the words of these scrolls are consumed by my mysterious mind, I will begin to awake each morning with a vitality I have never known, never known before. My vigor will increase, my enthusiasm will rise, my desire to meet the world will overcome every fear I once knew at sunrise. I will be happier than I ever believed possible to be in this world of strife and sorrow. Eventually, I will find myself reacting to all situations which confront me as I was commanded in the scrolls to react. And soon, these actions and reactions will become easy to perform, for any act with practice becomes easy. Thus, a new and good habit is born. For when an act becomes easy through constant repetition, it becomes a pleasure to perform. And if it... Eh? And if it is a pleasure to perform, it's a man's nature to perform it often. When I perform it often, it becomes a habit, and I will become its slave. And since it is a good habit, this is my will. Today I begin a new life, 
and I make a solemn oath to myself that nothing will retard my new life's growth. I will lose not a day from these readings, for that day cannot be retrieved, nor can I substitute another for it. I must not. I will not break this habit of daily reading from these scrolls, and, in truth, the few moments spent each day on this new habit are but a small price to pay for the happiness and success that will be mine. As I read and reread the words of the scrolls, uh, as I read and reread the words in the scrolls to follow, never will I allow brevity. God damn. As I read and reread the words in the scrolls to follow, never will I allow the brevity of each scroll nor the simplicity of its words to cause me to treat the scroll's message lightly. Thousands of grapes are pressed to fill one jar of wine, and the grape skin and pulp are tossed at the birds. So it is with the grapes of wisdom from the ages. Much has been filtered and tossed to the wind. Only the pure truth lies distilled in the words to come. I will drink as instructed and spill not a drop, and the seed of success I will swallow. Today my old skin has become as dust. I will walk tall among men, and they will not they will know me not, for today I am a new man with a new life. That's it. It's pretty good. Pretty good. So we're on day three now. Yeah. Reading it three days times a day? Yeah. That's good. That's good <clears throat> stuff in there. Uh, after I, you sent that to me earlier, I was looking at it. Uh, you might find interesting, it makes reference to becoming the olive tree, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know, like, so, you know, like, uh, when... A symbol of peace is the olive branch, right? Right. You know why? Mm-mm. Because to cultivate olives requires time, patience, and patience. Yeah. And uh, like being being there, like being being able to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, if you're in a time of war, there's no time to cultivate olives. Peace is needed. Peace is needed to cultivate olives. I like that. So that's why you extend the olive branch. Nice. It's like you said, onions, they mature in nine weeks. Yeah. Onions have layers. Cake's got layers, too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, and that's where the whole olive branch thing comes from. That's cool. Well, and also, like, you know, with uh, the, the, the dove that came back and there was uh, uh, uh ark with yeah. the olive branch in hand. That meant, one, there was land, and two, that the land, God wasn't at war with earth anymore yeah sign of peace yeah sign the, of peace from the heavens yeah <clears throat> so what do you think you gonna read it oh yeah i'm definitely gonna read it i think i got it for like six dollars or seven dollars on amazon that's a good that's a good little sale there Whew. yeah he's got a bunch of books too a bunch a bunch <clears throat> yeah that was a good one i really like that it's something i'd, I'd like to do, do man like eventually have enough knowledge to write something this small and be so impactful. Well, you know what they say. You know, the all the wisdom of the world could be written on a emerald, so Right. You can buy our emerald book over on Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not a real emerald. Yeah. <laughs> Those are too expensive. But you know, hey, you want to read about the emerald tablet, uh or people people wiser than us is postulations on the emerald tablet. Uh Isaac Newton put stuff out there about it too. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to take that note down. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good little read. Not, it's not a lot. It's not supposed to be. 
Wasn't he that little that little silly fellow that was napping under an apple tree and found out about gravity? I imagine that story's apocryphal. Well, I mean, most of the stories we tell are apocryphal. True. He was a brilliant mathematician. Yeah. And a physicist before that was a thing. You know what I mean? He was the father of modern physics. Right. He's also the one that, you know, summarily proved that watermelons don't grow on trees. Because if he'd been napping and one of them boys hit him, he would have been a... He'd be a dead boy. He'd have been a re-re the rest of his life. <laughs> That's right. That's right, Isaac. What a minute Yeah. Come on, Lenny. <laughs> Putting rats in his pocket and petting them and stuff. <laughs> Snatching up ladies. Yeah, that's that's a lot more. That's a better, uh, wiser read than what I've been reading here recently. That I'm almost finished. I with quit. Now. I'm not reading that shit anymore. Anybody out there want to read some fucking just some straight psychosis? Yeah, man. I don't even know. Like, you have even probably got like how far have you got into it? Well, he's already started killing a lot of people. Okay, so you're that far into it already. Uh, I can actually tell you. Actually, I don't know. I don't want to mess up where I'm currently at. I went back and started re-listening to uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, okay. Yeah, I quit the... You told me he kills a kid, and I was like, nah, bro. Yep. Talking about American Psycho. American Psycho. Yeah, I'm reading the book now. Because I always liked the movie. And I think people miss the point. Like It's like with a lot of movies like that, where or characters like that, where people like emulate them or they they admire them you know what i mean like christian uh, bale did a good job though he, he did a good job but the thing is is like patrick bateman is a dork yeah nobody you should never want to be like him patrick bateman was like uh he wasn't just a dork though like he he did steroids and had like a re- like a thorough regimen of workout he was like ripped yeah but he he, al- he also knew like psychotic detail about people's clothing and he the details about like fashion and music and stuff like that. It's like I started to get old, like reading the book where it talked about every person that came across him completely what detailing were, uh, their yeah. entire fucking wardrobe. That's what I'm saying. He's a dork. <laughs> get out of here, nerd. Yeah, beat it, nerd. But, beat it, you rip nerd. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of like uh, with Travis. You smell like piss. It's kind of like uh, Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. Like people mm-hmm. like admire him and stuff, and it's like. I mean, yeah, he killed a fucking a dude who was pimping out an underage girl, but you all—he was also a fucking creep who fucking took a girl out on a date to a porno theater, thinking that was a good idea, and then when she rejected him, he decided that she he was going to kill uh, her boss who was running for some sort of political seat. Like, <laughs> it wasn't because it was—it wasn't politically driven. It was because he was mad because she rejected him. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know what they say? Simping ain't easy. Yeah, it's characters like that. It, you miss the point if you if you if you idolize them. Yeah, I and I would go on to say even to an extent like Tyler Durden and stuff like that. What was wrong with old Tyler? Uh, Tyler was just the anarchist boy that he wanted to be. He's yeah, but like, here's what it is. This is this is for real. Like, there's certain aspects of him like. And this goes back to stuff involving like the Kybalion and whatnot, where he was relying too much on one pillar and not the other. Right. Right. Well, they both were. That's the idea. All right. Polarity. Yeah. But they're not exactly there to be emulated. I wonder. That's a book, right? Yeah. I've never read Fight Club. It's a good book. 
It's actually the book's a little bit more. Uh, I like. I, I don't know. I kind of like the book better for real. That's the way with most things. Eh, some things. You, you know, I'm movie? starting to think that I think I like the movie version of American Psycho better than the book. Yeah, there's too much going on there. Who wrote a uh, Fight Club? Same author? No, no, that was uh, Chuck Palahniuk who oh. wrote uh, Fight Club. He wrote a bunch of books. I've read a few of his books. I think uh, uh, Brett Easton Ellis wrote American Psycho. I think Brother Teen Wolf gave me a book to read by him. I can't remember. What was it called? <sighs> I don't like. Uh, I don't remember. It was a. Uh... So yeah, go check out uh, OG Mandingo. Mandingo. <laughs> Og Mandino. OG. Space. I'm sorry. I just I I've never M A N D I N O. I've never been able to look at the think it think it was Og. You know, what I, mean? I feel like, like you just look at the name and you see that that meme with the black dude with his cocking on the side of the bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ha! I'm old. I'm OG Mandingo. I got some words to read you and shit. However, look at my dude. You have to look at me like this the whole time I read them. Yeah, turn the page of my cock. <laughs> mm. I don't know. It's uh, it's heralding me on my next expansion of life. So I feel pretty good about it. I feel like everybody would get some value from it. It's it's better than what I'm having to do with school and stuff because I'm too. Uh, uh, basically, it's a class on um, world trade and hit the history of world trade and stuff like that. World his story. So it goes back all the way to fucking. Oh, all the shit. It's funny you mention all the stuff about the Middle East and things like that because they we I've been learning all. Well, I knew most of it already, but relearning all this shit about basically how after the Roman Empire fell, all of the shit that we had figured out already got lost. And you know, you could talk about how the Roman Empire fell because society got debauched. Yeah, and stronger stronger men than them came in and fucking. Wiped it out. The longer I live, the more I think that history is an absolute lie. And Tartaria is the reason why we had the Dark Age. Fossil. But. I was just re-examining some of the structures. And like the markets from Tartaria. Or the Tartar Age. You can't even rebuild that shit now, man. But uh, So intricate. Luckily for us, the people in the Middle East kept all that shit that we ended up losing. Because they had copies of it too from the Byzantines, yeah, and uh, kept it and used it, and then gave it back to us free of charge. What happened to them? Oh, they're still over there. No, I know they are, but like, uh, you know, we've seen and heard a lot of things of people who went over there to fight during the, uh, you know, they, there was freedom over there right after nine eleven. I'm sorry, there was freedom over there to be fought for. Mm-hmm. After September 10th, 2001. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm second guessing all of my thoughts because I've been reading American Psycho and I'm hoping to forget about it as soon as possible because that's uh, starting to make me wonder if I'm a psychopath. Like things like those scrolls? <laughs> that's the kind of wisdom that probably got kept by them. It all comes from the Middle East. And it's funny because. Well, it, okay. Well, here's the thing though it doesn't all come from the Middle East, it was created by. <laughs> all over the place back in the day, and it was collected by Romans and Greeks and stuff like that. But then the fucking barbarian horde came in and fucking destroyed all of it. Well, there's a lot of wisdom, though. It's just like alchemy. Alchemet, you know, out of Egypt. 
you know, you, you talk about at least repositories of all the knowledge. You're talking about geometry, astrology, astronomy, uh, <clears throat> architecture, agriculture, pedestry. Uh, we could leave that one out, but <laughs> but the, all these things that we had just like that completely gone the wayside. I mean, we we got fucking beat back so hard, we went full retard and went back to kings and shit. Right. You know what are we doing? And fucking dudes in funny hats. You know those big, big, not the little hats, the big ones, telling us what to do. You know. Yeah. You talking about the tiny hats? No, big hat boys. You know the Catholics. Oh. My fault. Yeah, having a dude in one spot, being able to make all these decisions for everybody else, you know? Right. I posted the Simpsons meme earlier, and it's at 237 likes. It's really getting after it. What was it? Let me see. Oh, I saw that one. Yeah. It's a good one. It's making the rounds. Yeah. Trying to breathe new life into our Instagram. I kind of let it go with all the nonsense going on in life, I mean. I get it. Trust me. But... So, uh, you know, just to be a cheeky boy with the, uh, you know, what I feel is a good rendition of biblical usage of stories, Mm -hmm. uh, we got an email in here somewhere. How about Johnny over at JNY5 Internet Studio sitting us with that three-peat? Yeah. I posted three. He finally, he got us the artwork for our, uh. I think it was our three previous shows. Mm-hmm. He missed a few, but he's back at it again. And uh, posted those up yesterday. Shit was fire, as always. I called him yesterday and talked to him for a while. Premium. So we got an email <coughs> from Ash in Texas. And it's subject title, Bag of Dicks. Y'all should tell Bible stories more often. Three laughing emojis, which means it's funnier than just one. Yeah. And I agree. I agree with you, Ash. It's like, that it's should, not just, ha. Yeah. It's, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first time I've ever heard someone tell a Bible story while mentioning a peen, L-M-F-A-O. Uh, keep up the good work. Asquatch in Texas. Love that email. That shit made me happy. So... I went ahead and did the good work, and I was trying to come up with a list of 10 ridiculous Bible stories. Maybe we'd do, like, an extra episode or do one an episode, but I thought, fuck it. You know? Let's give the people what they want. Yeah. Let's read all 10 of them. On on this one episode? Yeah, they're quick. Oh, okay. And they're grilling. They're fire. Oh, okay. All right. What's our time at? We're good, right? 44 minutes. Yeah, we're good. We took, like, a five, seven-minute break. Something like that. Let's give it a fiver. Yeah. So this one you'll like. It came from a website called Alcation. Okay. Spelled like your favorite avian creature with tiny legs. Oh, yeah. Alcation. Let's see here. Thomas Swan has a PhD in experimental psychology. He specializes in cognitive science of religion. I'm not going to read his words other than what he posits as the stories. His number one is God, God exists the closet. Source, Exodus, chapter 33, verse 10, uh, verse 18. In this bizarre homoerotic scene, God and his human pet Moses decided to play a little game of I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Moses asked God to, quotes, reveal his glory, wink, wink. But God warns that anyone who views his divine face will die. As a compromise, God covers Moses' face with his hand, 
before mincing past and showing Moses' backside. No doubt, this was accompanied with an abashed, does my bum look big in this toga? As an interesting aside about Old Testament plagiarism, Zeus had the same killer face. Number two, Jesus. And the demon pigs. (laughs) You know? Source, Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. Jesus was taking a leisurely stroll through a demon-infested tomb when two violent heretics began flailing about in front of him. They sarcastically asked if the Son of God had come to torture them for being possessed. Before Jesus could answer, a herd of pigs came thundering over a nearby hill for some reason. The demons possessing the men pleaded to be allowed to enter the pigs. That's when they... That shit was quoted in uh, one of our favorite Pulp Fiction novels. Yeah? It was either... uh, Fuck. Oh. It was either City of the Dead or the first one. The yeah. Rising. Rising, yeah. We are Legion. Yeah. We are more than the stars. Before, let's see where I read that. People from the local town were shocked, and they told Jesus to leave their land immediately. The moral of the story is, don't reject Jesus' teachings, or he will drive your livestock into the sea and blame it on demons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's one. I've told this one before, but I'm going to retell it. Okay. Baldy and the Bears. Source, <laughs> 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 Second Kings, chapter 2, verse 23. After purifying the waters of a nearby town, noble Elijah was walking along the road to Bethel when an army of 42 young boys emerged from an undergrowth. As children commonly do, they taunted old Elijah about his bald head, saying, Get out of here, Baldy. And because I've read the story so many times, I can tell you the King James Version. Go from here, ye bald one. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Elijah didn't see this playful tomfoolery. He cursed the boys in the name of the Lord, and two she-bears sprinted out of the woods to maul the stunned children to death. Given the detail provided in the story, Elijah presumably counted the 42 carcasses before going on his merry way. Man, I tell you, of all the fucking godly superpowers one could have, calling she-bears forth would definitely be on the top of that list. Could you you imagine the psychological shock of calling out not only two she-bears, but like, let's say you're on the beach. And somebody's fucking with your old lady. And you called she bears onto a goddamn beach? <laughs> <laughs> they came out of a sand dune? <laughs> Where are you going to run the ocean? Yeah. You better swim, bitch. That's they, that's when they find out that you could also call she sharks. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> they're pregnant. They're mad. They're angry. <laughs> they want ice cream. Uh, <laughs> uh, this one's called uh, Shrek in the Bible. Source. <laughs> Source. Ch- uh, Numbers, chapter 22, verse 21. Shrek wasn't the only fictional character with a talking donkey. A holy man called Balaam was once summoned by a king to curse his enemies. After warning against this, God changed his mind and allowed Balaam to make the journey. However, the fickle god decided to send an angel to block the road. Only Balaam's donkey saw the angel, so it veered off the road and was beaten for its trouble. Two more times the donkey was beaten for avoiding angels on alternate routes. <laughs> Eventually, the donkey was so fed up that it asked Balaam to stop beating it. The stunned man explained that it was making a fool out of him, so the donkey decided to lay it on nice and thick. Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? And he replied, stay out of my swamp. (laughs) I made that up. After being firmly put in his place with the reprimand, the humbled Balaam was finally permitted to see the angel. (laughs) <laughs> this one, number five, too much poo for God. Source, Deuteronomy, chapter 23, verse 9. <clears throat> you 
You know what it's like when people can't stop relieving themselves all over your house and garden? Well, if you lived 3,000 years ago, you might. Apparently, the Israelites were notorious defecators who regularly left their stinking feces in plain sight. God was particularly troubled by this because even though he can create a universe, he can't stop himself from stepping in poo. When you relieve yourself, dig a hole and cover it, cover up your excrement. For the Lord your God moves about your camp to protect you. Dog owners be warned. <laughs> and then it has a picture of Moses with the tablets and it says, Thou shalt not poop. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus and the obstinate fig tree, number six, Matthew chapter 21, verse 18. Jesus was traveling along the road with his gang of followers when he became hungry. Tragically, he stumbled upon a fearsome fig tree with leaves of plenty, but no fruit to bear. Jesus took this as an affront and conjured all his powers in a pitched battle against the insolent tree. The poor thing didn't stand a chance, and it quickly withered and died. Jesus' disciples were amazed, not with the stupidity of this fruitless endeavor, but with how quickly the tree died. Jesus smugly replied that anyone with true faith could kill a tree or tell a mountain to throw itself into the sea. They were probably too afraid to slap him. <laughs> Sounds like Jesus was really drunk, like, oh, shit. <laughs> The fuck you say me, you fucking piece of shit tree? Yeah. That's what happens when you do that thing with water. You know what I'm talking about? You hear me? You, you, you hear me knocking? You hear me knocking? Let me in. Well, here's one of my favorites. I never, I've never read this one before. Number seven. Love me a skeleton army. Uh, source, Ezekiel, chapter 37. In this story, God and Ezekiel enter a valley full of dry bones. God decides it's time to demonstrate his incredible magic skills so he asked Ezekiel if the bones could be made to live. <coughs> the ser servile, groveling taster of the divine posterior replies that only God knows what is possible. God then dares his assistant to say an incantation to raise the dead, which ends with the words, I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Apparently, God is so insecure that he needs bones to worship him. Not this bones. <laughs> but you get it. Yeah. Anyway, Ezekiel completes the magic spell, and a vast army of skeletons is brought to life. God doesn't stop there, though. He attaches tendons, flesh, returns their souls to their bodies, and sends them on their merry way back to Israel. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Talk uh, about a head fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number eight. Rape, incest, and a pillar of salt. Another one of my favorites. Yeah. I know God. this one. Yeah. I think I probably told this to you drunkenly a number of times. Mm -hmm. You're like, when will you stop? <laughs> Source, Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 19. God's most cherished man in all of Sodom was called Lot. God liked him so much that he sent two angels to stay with him. However, during the night, a gang of rapists descended on Lot's house to defile the angels. Lot, in all his holy righteousness, declared, No, my friends, do not do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do it with them as you please. And that, kids, is why God allows rape. It doesn't stop there, though. After using their magical powers to blind the rapist, the angels called down air support from God. Lot and his family were urged to flee in the city while God rained uh, burning sulfur on the inhabitants, or a nuclear bomb, depending on how you read that chapter yourself. However, there was one small caveat. God didn't want them to look back as, uh, at his shameful annihilation of the sodomites. Of course, women are stupid in the Bible, so... Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Why a pillar of salt? God knows. Literally. <laughs> <clears throat> Lot and his two daughters retreated to a cave in the mountains without a thought for their desiccated mother. 
The daughters decided that their father was too old to find another wife, so they did what any loyal daughter would do, right? They got a lot drunk and had sex with him. Hard oh, times. My Sheesh. Been hard times. Yeah. Hard times in the cave. Question is, why did Lot decide to set down in Sodom anyway? It's like, <laughs> right. It's like setting down in a bad neighborhood like and then being shocked when it when it goes bad. It's like being like, I don't want to move out of Camden. I've lived here my whole life. <laughs> Sounds kind of like a douchebag, if you ask me. Yeah. A daughter fucker, if you will. Yeah. Both the daughters got pregnant by their father, and presumably they all lived happily ever after in a Mississippi trailer park. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, number nine is a story we told that caused Ash to write us the email titled, Give Me 104 Skins, source 1 Samuel chapter 18, but I'll skip that one. And then number 10, the Bible on rape, rape victims, source Judges 19. A man and his concubine were traveling from Bethlehem to Ephraim? Ephraim? Let me see. Ephraim? Ephraim. Ephraim. Ephraim? Mm hmm. When they had to stop for the night in an unfamiliar town, an old man told them in. An old man took them into his home, but after a few hours of partying, a gang of bisexual rapists arrived and demanded to have sex with the male traveler. The old man replied, Since this is man. Since this man is my guest, do not do this outrageous thing. Look, here is my virgin daughter and his concubine. I will bring them out to you now, and you can use them as you wish. The story continues. So the man took his concubine and sent her outside to them, and they raped her and abused her throughout the night. And at dawn, they let her go. At daybreak, the woman went back to the house where her master was staying, fell down at the door, and lay there until daylight. The poor woman returned beaten and raped uh, to the door of her man, hoping for the comfort and love at the time of this hopeless de desperation. So what did the man do? He took a knife and cut up his concubine limb by limb into 12 parts and sent them into the areas of all Israel. This disgusting act was not punished by God or the Israelites. Instead, they went to war with the town from which the rapists had come and slaughtered thousands of people in the name of God. Ooh, we got a bonus story. Biblical evolution. Ooh. Despite the blathering tirades of creationists, there is a passage about evolution in the Bible. In Genesis 30, Jacob's flock of striped goats is stolen. So he peels the bark off some branches to make stripes and puts them in front of his plain flock when they are mating. Seeing the branches causes a genetic mutation which makes their baby goats striped. This incredible feat of genetic engineering predated Mendel and Darwin by at least 2,000 years. Summary. The religion of the world, religions of the world have provided us with many ridiculous funny stories involving dozens of weird gods and goddesses. However, as the last few stories should have made clear, it's not all fun and games. It should alarm everyone that two billion Christians based their... I'm not reading this. I get it. You're an atheist. Let's just take the good parts and leave the bad parts, shall we? Can yeah. We, can we not uh, take a story from alchemy and turn our lesser metals into gold on the inside? Could be in douches in the name of a book. Pearls before swine, my friend. <sighs> I know. Pearls before swine. But luckily, we drop pearls on only the finest of peoples. There's no swine in our audience. The finest of them piggies. <laughs> Where's my little piggy? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They're great. Uh, did we have any emails? That was the one I saw. Oh, okay. Normally, I rely on you for the emails because I... It all starts to look the same. I do have a message from our boy. Okay. Mr. Ian Fogg of the Three Amigos. Kind of carry us out. 
What's the date today? I have two, I think. Is it the 6th? We recorded before last Friday, yeah? It's the 6th. Yeah. Okay, so I've got two. Mm-hmm. I got one from last Friday and one from yesterday. Buckle up, Buttercup. It's Three Amigos time. Good evening, Bones and Tubbs tribe. Gracious hosts. Gun laws. God, those are terrifyingly strict, aren't they? I'd be a little bit more concerned. Rather split. Like, the whole last year, most of the United States spent a year arming themselves. Getting it in. So, and has done so pretty pretty steadily every time one of these big threatening things <laughs> happen, such as, you know, COVID or, <laughs> I don't know, name that nonsense. Um, but at the same time, they got everybody to wear masks real bloody fast, which is also frightening. But, I mean, they gotta, you gotta expect them to push harsher gun laws, I mean, especially with 3D printers on the rise. <laughs> you guys haven't dived into that rabbit hole, um, I suggest uh, researching it. Oh, you're a tired. <laughs> you dive. It's quite intense. It's given uh, the authorities in Europe uh, just the biggest headache you can possibly imagine. Good. Sacre <laughs> So, you know, Bones and Tub Stripe, jump on this wagon now, kind of like the, um, you know, Dogecoin or name that fake crypto currency, whatever. I don't know. It's all cryptocurrency, I think. <clears throat> but, in light of that, Shout out to the three amigos. Yes. Redbeard. Jack be nimble. Jack be quick. Go and fetch your candlestick. Mr. Bond. Valley all call. I repeat, valley all call. Dr. Gonzo. Wherever I go, there I am. And to the space monkey, if you can hear it, we're looking for you. Don't wander too far. I still need to know more about this monkey from space. To the Bones and Tubs tribe, as always, Eagle Scout says be prepared. It only gets weirder from here. Three amigos. Oh. You want to know something crazy I just found out? Good morning, Bones and Tubbs tribe. What's up? The Great Pyramid's coordinates are exactly the speed of light. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought we talked about that. There's no such thing as coincidence. No, no. And there's (laughs) nothing new under the sun. No. 
Shout out to Taria. <laughs> Good morning, Bones and Tubs tribe. Gracious hosts. I see clear skies again. <clears throat> Not sure what that means anymore. Weather's fake anyway, isn't it? Matrix? Anyway, um, I kind of have a question for you guys. Shooting. More between the three of us. The vaccination passport thing, which is becoming a thing. Uh, you know, big sporting events, that kind of nonsense. That's how they're going to start it. My question is, is how far is it going to go? How far do you think it's going to go? All the way. Are we going to have to have those to even travel within our United States of Utopia? We were just talking um, about that the other day. State to state travel bigger, via bigger car. The question is, is what happens to the people who do not take the vaccination for one reason or another? Get back in your FEMA district, slave. Specifically in a, in a moment. But what happens to those people? Do we get to ride the cattle cars of old? I don't know. Um, I will have nothing to do with the vaccine. Um, I don't you know, name that reason, but specifically me. Um, I was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome uh, back in the tail end of 2006. Don't join the military, kids. It ain't fucking worth it. Uh, at least it wasn't for me, anyway. But that's not the point. The point is, is uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome is terrible, horrible thing that I really rather not deal with again and in taking the medicine to correct the issue or at least arrest the problem not correct it that takes that was two years of physical therapy <laughs> it still bothers me it always will but part of the thing they tell you is in dealing with Guillain-Barre is you can should never take any vaccination for anything because they noticed that, for whatever reason, once somebody has Guillain-Barre, they come back, if they come out of it, they take a vaccination later down the road, even just a flu vaccine. Not only does the Guillain-Barre come back, or does the flu get worse, but both of them... What happened? Damn it. I don't understand. Jesus. I didn't know what Guillain-Barre was. I just looked it up. We've talked about it before. We watched a video of that one cheerleader that got it. My memory is terrible. (laughs) She took took that one uh, Gardasil. Oh, yeah. Beautiful girl. College cheerleader. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't ever walk again. Yeah, I, uh, it's like I told you earlier, I'm practicing for when I have Alzheimer's. Oh, yeah, no, I get it. It's probably something to do with what we talked about before. I think I've had, what, about 
seven or eight concussions or something like that. Listen, my my only reason for saying we talked about it before is to reassure myself that we actually talked about it and that I'm not a psychopath. I'm also just going to have to take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish up here. I think okay. I think this is where we left off. I hope it was. I don't know what happened. Damn it. Try it again. Both of them come back with a vengeance. And without getting into long, obnoxiously weird details, my own dance with Guillain-Barre got a lot closer than I would care to admit to. And shall not. Um, But, so what happens to these people that cannot take a vaccination for one reason or another? Lexus, you're in a much nicer car than I am. It's the skinny pedal on the right, Doyle! (laughs) (laughs) Now, filthy words to describe the driver. Allegedly. Allegedly. But, truthfully, what happens to these people? I can't take it. One va- the vaccine for one reason or another. I'd like to hear your <coughs> thoughts, yeah, theories, boy. horror stories. I mean, I've heard some of your horror stories. I listen to the show. <coughs> By the way, I love the show. Anyway, <coughs> take care of yourself, kids. The Eagle Scout says, "Be prepared." the ones you meet certainly will be. There he goes. Out. Fire as always. Oh, yeah. From our boys. Well, I say that about wraps it up. But before we go, I'd like to thank JNY5. JNY5 Internet Studios over on Instagram. JNY5.com. Mm-hmm. He is our artwork for the show. Premium artist. I'd like to thank uh, Blood the Brave. Blood the Brave. On Instagram, Blood of the Brave, aka Kyle Reese at Twitter, Blood of the Brave.com, Blood of the Brave Bandcamp. He does our music. Yep. Anarchist rapper. Check him out. He's a great time. He's also on YouTube. Yeah. Sub and follow. Let him know we sent you. Yeah. Both of them boys. Also like to uh, send a shout out to what's his YouTube channel? Rap. What's Rap's YouTube? Oh goodness. I forget the uh, requirement. If you go and watch his first video the other day, I took off work to help him film it, set up his socials and all that, get him going. We need all the Bones and Tubs Nation to head over to youtube.com forward slash Bones and Tubs and then, you know, sub and follow. And then after you do that, head up and check out our boy living his life dedicated to his passion. Mm-hmm. Chain Breakers Ministry. Three words. Type it in as I'm doing right now. You'll scroll down. It's not the first one that shows up. It's the second one. His icon is CBM, all kind of intertwined, and the background is a sunset. <clears throat> As of this recording, he has 38 subscribers and five videos because he's been getting it in on his own. He's been uh, very, he he's a uh, very passionate, good guy, great guy, wise. Yeah, wise beyond his years. Yeah, uh, go check him out over there, and if, let him know. Bones of Tub Nation, the Bones of Tub Tried sent you. He actually taught me a thing. Yeah. You know, because everyone teaches if you listen. Mm-hmm. But if you do a really short video, mm-hmm. it pops up in a new type of YouTube that's promoted called YouTube Shorts. Huh. So he did two YouTube short videos and three longer videos. The video that we recorded was 34 minutes and 15 seconds. Look at him go. 
Yeah. Go over there and check it out. And if you're turned off by the idea of it being a ministry, I urge you to watch anyway, because he is railing against the church. Mm-hmm. Normally. In his in his mind, I should like say. Like I said, wise beyond his ears. Yeah. He uh he's all about that personal connection with y'all, with source. Yeah. He allows himself to be used as a vessel and he does the good work. He's also on Facebook. He's also on Instagram. We shared one of those the other day on our uh, YouTube story and on our Hey, Instagram. you know what's crazy? We're also on Instagram. Oh, like uh, Instagram.com forward slash Bones and Tubs? Yeah. Twitter at Bones Tubs and Facebook.com forward slash Bones and Tubs? We also have a Gmail. Yeah, Gmail.com forward slash Bones and Tubs. If you send us an email, we'll read it. If you ask us for my phone number, I'll give it to you. You know? We're also on PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo. And uh, yeah. Patreon.com forward slash Bones and Tubs. If you support us as we support you, hit us up. Yeah. If you don't have the financial means or you're not big on giving strangers money, just share our content. Mm-hmm. Like it. Give it a comment. Throw it up in the algorithm. Let's show them the power of the Bones and Tubs tribe. It's ever growing. Mm-hmm. We were up 46.89% on downloads last week. Nice. Means we're getting some new downloads. We're getting some traction. Yeah. We'd like to thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you tune in next time. Between now and then, you guys stay safe. This NPR broadcast was brought to you by listeners like you. We love you. We really do. The thing about the bad thing about being honest and straightforward and doing that is people know where you stand and they take try to take advantage of you. They take advantage of your good nature. They take advantage of the fact that they know that you're a good guy, you are a straight shooter, and that you're not going to retaliate on them when they fuck you. Well, folks, most of the time I believe that's probably true. But God built me to be here to prove to you that what you have been doing for God knows how many years is wrong. You picked on the wrong man. I'm not tough. You hear that? I'm not that strong. They rolled up in all black, windows have crashed, scoping out the scene before they attack. Had they on bad guys in most people's eyes, most trust them with their life cause they got a badge of tie. Gifted a position given to them by a system, I set it all up to put the kids in the prison. This is non-fiction, non-violence, it's just listen, they got a mission to imprison your mind and soul. This ain't nothing new but we survival with soul, and don't believe in ourselves, but believe what we're told. And we're all molded by a machine that gets in your dreams. Can get in your gut and keep your self-esteem And I've been scolding and told who I should be But I'll never conform, I was born to be free It's a setup, and never let up From the cradle to the grave, they got you in the cage It's a setup, so keep your head up Cause it's selling all that doubt with every word at the mouth It's a setup, and never let up From the cradle to the grave, they got you in the cage It's a setup, so keep your head up Cause it's selling all that doubt with every word at the mouth Giving numbers of birth, yeah, that's a fact Deny it if you want, but I'll do the math I face facts and understand how to overstand the plan With my mind intact, and I got more than a plan I got hope and belief, dreams and faith And know damn well, that's what they want to take It's a weapon, it's a weapon Fear is aggression, and they plan it in our minds To the point we can't find a way out a way in, and any way you go, you'll see a many men over there and everywhere. The wrong 
to jump out boys with the plastic toys draped in all black ready to bring the noise a setup and never let up from the cradle to the grave they got you in the cage it's a setup so keep your head up cause it's selling all that doubt with every word at the mouth it's a setup and never let up from the cradle to the grave they got you in the cage it's a setup so keep your head up cause it's selling all that doubt with every word at the mouth